Hello and welcome to the Building Christian Fellowship Podcast. We are very excited that you have decided to tune in today and pray you are blessed by today's message. So I said, yeah, I'm going to get my life together, man. And, and God has just been making, I can, I can sense his grace to help me make the changes that I need to make. And that's all we need. We need his, all we need is his grace. If we're willing, if we're willing, all we need is his grace and, and we can do it. Amen. And so part of the grace that I've been feeling is, is, is been coming from some of the awesome teaching and preaching that we've had for the past several weeks. Just a real quick, real quick recap. One of the one of the messages that touched me the most was what's in your wallet? What's in your wallet? I was talking about having a heart to finish everybody, the starting lines for everybody, but everybody don't always have the heart to finish. You know what I'm saying? How many people started at the gym this year and they didn't they they done quit already. It's February. All right. So, you know, having a heart to finish, uh, Pastor Gomez came and talked about attitude and aptitude, right? We have to have the right attitude and the way that our attitude is determines the ability, the aptitude that we have and how we use it and apply it to our lives, right? Okay. And then came consistent, being consistent. That's an important part of finishing any task is you got to be consistent. I know me, when it comes to food, man, I'm, I'm a texture person. That means, I mean, texture, if, if it, it's supposed to be kind of crispy or crunchy and it's soggy, I ain't eating it. All right? Any of you ever, ever warmed up something in the microwave or thought you warmed it up and only the top was, was hot and the middle was inconsistent? So consistency, man, it's important to be consistent, right? Then we had... The agents of faith versus the agents of fear. Awesome word. People need to get rid of the fear. False evidence appearing real. F-E-A-R. Y'all got that? False evidence appearing real so that way you can operate in faith, which is full assurance in the heart. Come on now. Follow me. Y'all going to have to track me because I like breaking down words and acronyms and stuff like that. I'm, I'm sort of a wordsmith. I rap and make music and stuff, so... Y'all going to have to bear with me because I make references to music all the time. So you're going to have to follow me and uh, just excuse that. I'm sorry. And then last week we talked about resist, but you first have to submit. Come on now. So we've been having some awesome teaching, man. Awesome teaching. Go look in the archives at the annex and watch the, watch the podcast or listen to the, listen to the podcast so that way... You can get encouraged throughout the week, man. It's all about taking the Lord with you everywhere that you go. Don't leave him here when you walk out of the door. He's with you everywhere that you go. Amen? So check it out. I'm going to start with the scripture. Hebrews 12. Hebrews chapter 12, verse 1. And I'm going to be reading from the Amplified Version. I like it because it amplifies what's said. All right? So if you don't have the Amplified version, you can look up on the screen. They have it for you. Amen? Hebrews 12, 1, it says, Therefore then, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses who have borne testimony to the truth, let us strip off and throw aside every encumbrance, unnecessary weight, and that sin which so readily deftly and cleverly clings to and entangles us. And let us run with patient endurance 
and steady and active persistence the appointed course of the race that is set before us. Amen? Let's pray. Heavenly Father, I thank you for this word today. Lord, I ask that you would just strengthen me and give me the ability to speak it with conviction, Lord, that, that the hearts that are here would receive it, Lord, that they would receive your word with meekness, Lord, that they would receive the engrafted word that their souls may be saved today, Father. I thank you, Father, that your word is on time and in due season, and we will leave this place better than we came in. In Jesus' mighty name, amen. So, we have this race, this course that's set before us. That's what I want you to pay particular attention to, this race that's set before us, right? So, I don't know about you, I, I, I'm, not, I'm not much of a runner, um, and not every race necessarily means that it's, it's, a, it's, a, it's, a, it's a speed race. It, sometimes it's a, it's a race of longevity and endurance, and I think that's the race that God is talking about in his word, is endurance, it's funny because uh, I really like watching, like, competitions and stuff. I like watching, watching fights, MMA and stuff like that. And it's funny, I watched this documentary recently, and they had a quote from Bruce Lee. And Bruce Lee said that the, the fight is not won by punch or kick. You better learn to endure or else get a bodyguard. Because that's what most of us think. When we get into a fight, man, we, we competition, we're going to fight. You know what I'm saying? Somebody's going to get knocked out, put to sleep, whatever. And, and that's it. No, sometimes you got people that'll eat them punches. Sometimes you got people that can endure a lot of pain. They got a high tolerance. And so if your endurance is low, you're going to be in trouble. So this race, race in, in, in the Greek means, or the, the Greek word for race is agon, which is where we get the word agony from. So this race isn't something that's going to be nice and cute. We run and, 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 and cross the tape, and, 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 and it's going to be all nice, and, and, it, and we made it look easy. We ain't going to be looking like Usain Bolt. This isn't a race. This race is more of a, of a course. It's an, a course, like an obstacle course. There's things, yes, we're on the straight and narrow, but there's things that get in the way, where there's people that were also in the race that fell, and you got to run around them. Come on, I'm just saying. I'm just saying, not everybody that we start out on the race with is going to finish with us. So we have this course that's set before us. Obstacles, opportunities. There's, there's an opportunity that God has set us up to win. Now, if we think of obstacles, man, we think of just, just an inconvenience. We look at obstacles as an inconvenience rather than an opportunity a lot of times. And so... What ends up happening is when we, when we realize that there's going to be some kind of opposition or some kind of obstacle that's going to be in our way and, 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 and in between us and our destination, we, we tend to kind of start murmuring and complaining. We get this attitude like, really? Like, seriously, is, it, is, it, is all this necessary? Like, for real? Really? Is this necessary? Does it take all this in order for me to get to where it is that, I want, that I'm trying to go? And so the truth of the matter is, is this. There was a dude that was used mightily by God named Jeremiah. And in Jeremiah chapter 12, Jeremiah is telling, telling God, God, God's taking him through a situation. And he's telling him, he's telling him, he's, he, he starts off murmuring and complaining to God about, why, like, is this really all that necessary? Like, look at what's going on, Lord. The wicked are prospering. You got me in this situation. Why do I got to deal with this? And, and God corrects him. He says, 
But the Lord rebukes Jeremiah's impatience. Here it goes. If you have raced with men on foot and they've tired you out, then how can you compete with horses? And if you take to flight in a land of peace where you feel secure, then what will you do when you, when you tread the tangled maze of jungle haunted by lions in the swelling and the flood of the Jordan? Check it out. Can I, can I talk about this real quick for a second? I got, I got a good job. And I praise God that, that I'm able to have Sundays off. Now, it took a while, but I was able to have Sundays off. I remember that I didn't have this job and I didn't make as much money as I had. I work with people that have been there for years upon years before me, topped out at their pay, still getting paid good, got to do less work, and they complain about what's going on. It's real easy to get sucked into the complain party. And I found myself at times like, well, man, shoot, I'm, I'm working on Sundays. I got to come in on Sundays. And you know what I'm saying? I'd much rather be at church. I'd much rather be fellowshipping with the brethren. And, and, but I remember that there was a time that I didn't have this. I remember there was a time that what I'm standing in right now, I was praying for. I was praying for where I'm at right now. And so what do I have to do? Because the problem is, is that there's a start line and there's a finish line to the race, to the obstacle course. But what happens in between? What is crucial to you finishing the race is what I want to talk about today. Today's topic is called Fix Your Focus. Fix Your Focus. And that's what, what we read in that last verse. That's what, that's what God was doing with Jeremiah. Jeremiah was complaining, and God is saying, dude, do you realize what it is that I'm preparing you for? I don't think you understand the significance of where you're at right now. I don't think you understand this moment that I have you in right now. You sitting here talking about men, I'm telling you that I want you to compete with horses, not with men. Come on, think about how crazy that sounds. That a man would compete running against a horse. Last time I checked, horses have four legs. We only have two. And he's saying, if you're in a safe place right now, I have you, I have you right near, near to my heart. I have you under my wings. I have you under my protection. And if you're going to complain now, how are you going to manage when you get out there in the wilderness where it is that I've ordained for you to grow? What are you going to do when you get out there? Because I've called you to overcome everything, every predator that lurks in the wilderness. But you're sitting here complaining in safety. Wake up. Fix your focus, Jeremiah. So what happens in the in-between? Again, follow me. This is, this is a race. Turn with me to 1 Samuel chapter 30. We're going to talk, remember, we're talking about a race and there's obstacles. Obstacles. We know that in the word, God tells us that he has a, a designated end for us. And we know that that's where we're heading to. But it's, what's more important than that, that's already settled. That's taken care of. What's more important is what happens in between. It's funny, Tony Tolbert just retired this week. Praise God. He retired this week. An awesome, it was an awesome ceremony. I've never, I've never experienced anything like that. It was awesome. 24 years of service 
in the, in the United States Air Force. Awesome ceremony. And what's funny is, is, is they were talking about the dash. The time in between the time he started and all of the things that he did up to this point where his, his, his time in, in the service ended. And that was what was most important. It wasn't about how he started. It was about what happened in between and up to this point and how he finished. And he finished honorably. And that's what God wants for us. He wants, he wants well done. Well done, good and faithful servant. Well done, good and faithful servant. So first Samuel, I like to bring this to David, man. David is one of my favorite. I think I can relate to him the most because that dude was a musician. He was a, he was a, he was a bit of a poet to balance the warrior. He was, he was an awesome dude. And God thought so too because he allowed his only begotten son to be born in the lineage of David. So check this out. David, in 1 Samuel chapter 30, verse 1 through 8, Amplified reads, it says, Now when David and his men came home to Ziklag on the third day, they found that the Amalekites had made a raid on the south and on Ziklag and had, had struck Ziklag and burned it with fire and had taken the women and all who were there, both great and small captive. They killed no one but carried them off and went on their way. So David and his men came to the town, and behold, it was burned, and their wives and sons and daughters were taken captive. Next slide. If I can get there, this thing ain't working. All right, so it says, Then David and the men with him lifted up their voices and wept until they had no more strength to weep. David's two wives also had been taken captive, Ahinoam, the Jezreelitess, and Abigail, the Carmelite. So, if you can imagine what it looked like, what the scene looked like. Remember, we're talking about a race. We're talking about life, right? And basically, you got Ziklag. This is where David's at. He's in Ziklag. The Hebrew word ziklag means winding, twisting, bending. Remember, we're on the straight and narrow, but there's obstacles. He's in transition. He's in a place where there's turns. And, and, and what happens when you're in the middle of, of something, in the middle of a task, there's obstacles that come about, and you have to negotiate the turns. You have to learn how to, how to make maneuvers and adjust things. You got to learn how to fix your focus. Why? Because things come up, Right? So, his wives are taken, but so are all the other men. And I think the scene looked kind of like this. This is the closest I could, I could imagine the scene looking like. They show up from a three-day journey and come back to their home, and their stuff is burnt. Nobody's there. No children there to run up to them and grab their leg and hug them. No wife's embrace or kiss to welcome them home. They come to a burnt mess. Let me explain something to you a little bit. The place of transition that David was in, you gotta understand, 
He's been run out of Israel by Saul because Saul wants to kill him. He was promised as a young boy. The prophecy came forth that he's to be the next king of Israel. But the king that's current wants him dead. So he's in between. He's in between the prophecy and the promise. He's in between the threat and the throne. So he's in a, in a place of transition. The problem with the place of transition is that we often become distracted. We often become disillusioned. We forget things. We make poor decisions because we're in transition. Everything's unstable. There's all these moving parts. There's these twists, these, these turns. We're in ziklag. And so here it is, David. Where was he coming from? Why was his stuff all jacked up? Check it out. David's run up out of his place of comfort, right? We're called to move from faith to faith, from glory to glory, strength to strength, and he's in the middle of two right now. He went from home to this place of transition. He's in between. He's in an in-between stage. I don't know how many of you have been in or might be in an in-between stage right now. You're expecting something, but right now everything looks a mess. There's a lot of twists and turns that you're going through. It doesn't look like what was promised because you're in transition, a place of winding. You're in ziklag. And so what you need to understand is that in the in-between places where character Character. In the in-between places where character is tried and it is where it is developed. In the in-between. So, we got David in this in-between place. But he ain't by himself. He's got all these men with him that were following him, that were trusting him. Not only is David's stuff gone, but all of their stuff is gone. Verse 6, it says, David was greatly distressed, for the men spoke of stoning him, because the souls of them all were bitterly grieved, each man for his sons and daughter. But David encouraged and strengthened himself in the Lord his God. Can I talk to you a minute about this? There comes a point in time where you may be all by yourself, even though the people that started out with you are with you. As soon as trouble hits, the character is going to come out. The men started talking about stoning David. David was greatly distressed. Why? Because they're all grieving. Something, there's, there's a saying that says you got to let people learn how to, you got to let people grieve in their own way. Why? Because sometimes they're going to say stuff that they don't mean, and sometimes they're going to say stuff that they do mean. But either way it goes, let them grieve. It says the men were grieved and talked about stoning David. They talked about stoning him. Be careful who it is that you follow. Because what happens to them, you being under their covering is going to, you're, 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 you're liable to go through the same thing. You share the burden. 
leaders, understand this, that you are to be an example, whether it's in feast or famine. You got to lead by example. The men are talking about stoning him, and David, it says that he encouraged himself in the Lord his God. That sounds like an oxymoron. David encouraged himself in the Lord his God. Let me explain something to you. Verse 7. It said, David said to Abiathar the priest, Ahimelech's son, I pray you bring me the ephod. And Abiathar brought him the ephod. And David inquired of the Lord, saying, Shall I pursue this troop? Shall I overtake them? The Lord answered him, Pursue, for you shall surely overtake them, and without fail recover all. Can I talk to you about the ephod real quick? David encouraged himself. As we know, David wrote most of the Psalms. Songs of praise and adoration to his God. And here it is in the midst of a burnt mess, in the midst of embers floating in the air around him and his men, weeping, crying in tears. He encouraged himself. In the midst of murmurings of men talking about stoning him, he encouraged himself in the Lord his God. Why is Abiathar highlighted? Let me tell you something about Abiathar. His name means my father is greater. In the midst of his tears, I don't know about you, I don't know if you've ever cried so much to where you can't see anything past your tears, where it looks like you're standing in front of a window that's being immersed in water and you can't see the vision clearly. He was able to encourage himself in, his Lord, in the Lord his God and called for Abiathar, the priest. In the midst of all of his stuff being taken, in the midst of the men talking about stoning him, in the midst of him being in a real threat, the priest was with him. I don't know what it is that you're going through, but I want to let you know today that the priest is with you. Jesus, our high priest, he is with you. Moving on to the ephod, let me explain something to you. Move to the picture. The ephod was this breastplate that had stones in it, and it was made of gold and stones, and, and it had 12 stones in it that represent the 12 sons of Israel right? This was something that priests wore when they went before the Lord, right? So let me explain something to you. Let me explain the significance of this. I know you guys saw me bring this up here. So once again, like I told you, since I started this year off trying to get my life together, I was like, man, I don't want to do no cardio. So I was like, all right, I was like, all right, if I'm going to get on a treadmill, I'm going to make it count. So I got this right here. This is a weighted vest. It's not Simtech. I'm not going to blow nobody up. Please just understand that. That's not what this is. This is a weighted vest. It's 45 pounds, right? So I throw this on. Let me throw it on real quick. All right. So I throw this on because why? I'm trying to condition myself. I'm kind of trying to prepare myself for something. You know, I, I, I told you I started fasting, 
And so I used the momentum from the fast to change my diet. So I went on a diet. I went on an eating plan. And I'm hungry. I'm just saying. Can I be real? I'm hungry. I ain't ate bread and I don't know how long, and I'm, I'm hungry. Right? So I got to crucify my flesh. I got to buffet my body. I've been buffeting my body for all these years. So I got to buffet my body. Right? So I get on the treadmill, and I'm not just walking casually. You know what I'm saying? I'm doing like a good, a good you know, 3.5, 4.0, you know what I'm saying, at an incline of like nine with this on. Got my earbuds in, don't talk to me. I ain't got time to talk to you. I ain't got the breath to talk to you. I'm trying, I'm trying to do this. I'm working towards something. I'm crucifying this flesh. I got to die to who I am right now so I can be who it is I need to become. So, so I got this on because I'm killing my flesh. Let me tell you something about the ephod. The ephod was probably not a light thing to put on because it was made of gold. It had gold chains. You read Exodus, it'll tell you what it was made of. That thing was probably not light. This thing right here is not light. But let me tell you about the ephod. David encouraged himself in the Lord his God and called Abiathar, my father is greater. Bring me the ephod that I might inquire of the Lord. Ephod, heavy, stones. Men were talking about stoning him. David stoned himself. Bring me the ephod that I may inquire of the Lord. And he got in his position and asked, Lord, he encouraged himself in the Lord. We're talking about David, who wrote the Psalms that say, who is the king of glory? The Lord God strong and mighty, the Lord God mighty in battle. Who is the Lord? Bless his name who teaches my hands the war and to make it battle. Come on. He encouraged himself. He stoned himself. He crucified his flesh. He laid his life down right there before the men, before they could even lift a hand to do anything. He took the road of humility and went before his God and asked him for direction in the midst of his transition. He stoned himself, submitted to the rock that is higher than I. I need you to understand something. Leaders. The men that were with him were on the same team. The men that were with him that went through this crisis in this situation wanted to stone him because of the predicament that they were in because of following their leader. Let me explain something to you. Just because they got on the same uniform, just because you're on the same team does not mean that they are with you. Can I, can I be real for a minute? Just because they call you brother does not mean that they are with you. Why? Because brothers are made for adversity. Amen? So if there's no adversity, then there's no true test of the brotherhood. Watch what his position was. His position was that he went before, 
David is in charge. He's the leader. Do you know what, what, what would have happened had he chose not to humble himself, put on the ephod, and seek the Lord? He could have easily been like, oh, y'all want to stone me, right? All right, where are my faithfuls at? Take all these dudes down the brook and slaughter them for their mutiny. But no, he understood, you got to let them grieve. You got to let them grieve. Everybody grieves differently. You got to let them grieve. But as for me, if I, in, my, in, my, in my grief, I'm going to seek the Lord. Me, in my grief, I'm going to go before the throne of God. Back to this race. Hebrews 12. It says, looking away from all that will distract to Jesus, who is the leader and the source of our faith, giving the first incentive for our belief, and is also its finisher, bringing to a maturity and perfection. He, for the joy of obtaining the prize that was set before him, endured the cross, despising and ignoring the shame, and is now seated at the right hand of the throne of God. Can I talk to you about the, the parallel between David and Christ? Because it's talking about Christ right now. But in the story that we just read, nothing could be more shameful for a leader is that he left all of their stuff exposed, left to be carried off by the enemy. Men wanted to stone him because of it. Just like Christ ignored the shame despised the shame. So did David ignore their cries to stone him and the shame of, of the decision that he made while he was in transition to leave all their stuff unguarded, without a garrison, and carried off by the enemy. He humbled himself. He encouraged himself and went before the Lord and inquired of him, what do I do? Kind of sounds like Jesus in the Garden of Gethsemane. I have to go before the Father and draw strength for what's ahead of me. I worked at a job before this job, and me and my supervisor bumped heads all the time. And I wasn't getting paid much to be dealing with all the stuff that I was dealing with. But God, in his graciousness and his mercy, had a woman of God that was seasoned, planted there working with me, that pulled me to the side one day and says, look, son, you need to go before the Lord and ask him to fix me, say, Father, fix me for what's before me. Let me tell you something. When I went and followed the direction of that woman, that woman of God, I never went to work the same ever again as long as I worked there. I was able to understand that I'm working as unto the Lord and not to man. I understood that I'm there for a purpose. Whatever the process is, Lord, that it is that you're preparing me to get me to, I'm going to go through it and do it. Because I see what's on the other side. I'm not looking. I fixed my focus. I'm not looking at what's right before me or what the situation or the circumstance right now looks like. I'm looking at what's, what's, what there is to be, what God has called me to. Christ looked beyond the circumstance that he was in. Let me, let me explain something to you. You have to learn how to embrace the situation that you're in. When you embrace 
there comes grace. When you embrace, there is grace that is dispersed when you embrace. Christ did not, did not have to do what he did, but he did. He knew what it took. He knew what, the, what would please the throne, and he embraced the cross. He embraced the cross, and grace was dispersed to him to walk it all the way out and through because he was able to see what was on the other side of the cross despising all of the shame, all of the ridicule, all the people that wanted to stone him. He was able to walk it out and go through. And that's why I'm saying it's important for you to fix your focus. You have to fix your focus. Bring up that, yeah. I know most of you guys can't tell what that picture is, right? Why? Because it's out of focus. Let me take this off because this is getting on. So, why is it important for us to fix our focus? Because Jesus fixed his focus in order to accomplish the perfect work that God sent him here to do. The redemption of his creation, to bring back his beloved to put us back in right relationship with himself. He fixed his focus beyond the shame, beyond the ridicule, beyond the scorn, beyond the pain. So that way he could redeem us. Why is it important to fix our focus? Because through a fixed focus, we obtain the prize. It said that he obtained the prize. He fixed his focus. He looked beyond all that to obtain the prize. We must do the same. He, for the joy of obtaining the prize that was set before him, endured the cross, despising and ignoring the shame, and, it is now, and is now seated at the right hand of the throne of God. Can I explain something to you? David was between the threat and the throne. He was in between the prophecy and the promise. Give you a little quick background about what we read. David ran out of, out of Israel because Saul's trying to kill him. He finds himself in the camp in the army of the, the Philistines. How crazy is that? We know David most, most famously for slaying the Philistine champion, Goliath, right? So now here it is in his transition, he over here kicking it with the enemy. How does that happen? Where they do that at? Left this stuff unguarded to go with the enemy. Mind you, the enemy is still waging war against Israel. David had an opportunity to kill Saul and did not because he knew God had anointed him. But here it is, he's with the enemy, and they're at war with Saul and all of Israel. That caused a rift in the, in the Philistine camp. And they said, no, nah, man, he can't be with us. You got you to get him up out of here. He can't be with us. He's already killed our champion, you know what I'm saying? And then here it is, he had an opportunity to kill Saul, and you think that he's going to go to war with us and go and, and knowing that that's what we're, what we're all about, that's what this war is about, we're trying to take Saul out? He had an opportunity and didn't, didn't do it. He ain't going to, nah, send him home. And so David went on his way, not really understanding that God had everything in control and was working everything out. Sometimes when you're out of position, you're actually still in position. Sometimes God will allow you or, or will ordain for you to be out of position for a time just so he can take your stuff. 
They took their stuff, didn't kill anybody. They took it, carried it off. David came back and his stuff was gone. You took my wife, my, you took my favor? You took my good thing? You took my children, you took my heritage? You ran off with my stuff? God ordained it all. Nonetheless, they went and they did exactly what God told them to do. They pursued, they overtook them, and they recovered all. It says that they slaughtered them dudes from, from twilight all the way to the evening of the next day. Sometimes it will take a lot of work for you to get your stuff back. But it will come with increase because God's that kind of God. Fix your focus. Fix your focus. He ain't called you to run with men. He called you to contend with horses. Fix your focus. Why is it important to fix our focus? Because without a fixed focus, without a fixed focus, the image is blurred. The image is blurred. Go ahead and roll to the next. Oh, I'm sorry, I have to address this. I have to address this. Not sure how many of y'all watch the Grammys, y'all know about this, this young man up here, very talented young man, man. I ain't never been no hater, so don't ever accuse me of this. I ain't hating. This is Chance the Rapper. Kurt Franklin, Tamla Man. All right. So he performed it at the Grammys, How Great Is Our God, a rendition of it or whatever. And all these all these articles and stuff coming out about he's a he's a Christian rapper, he's a god he's a Christian, it's gospel. Oh my God, he's 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 got the grant. All you gotta do is a simple little check on Spotify, Apple Music, iTunes, whatever it is that you got. Look at the track list of this dude's album. And it's free, mind you. I ain't endorsing it, I'm just saying take a look. Mind you, he had enough sense on how great is our God not to use any profanity. But most of the songs on his album are full of explicit content, okay? Fix your focus, the image is blurry, blurring the lines. Why is it, can I, can I move back to consistency real quick for a minute? Why is it that as the church, we are some of the most inconsistent people that there are on the planet Earth? Why, I mean, probably on Jupiter too if we was there. I'm just saying, we are some of the most inconsistent people. We want to be accepted so much by the world whom God told us would hate us. I'm sorry. You look up in Luke, it says that what man celebrates is an abomination to God. I don't care how many, more, how many Grammys this dude won. He ain't gospel. He's just using it. Philippians said, said, Paul said, you know what? There's some dudes that's out there that's, that's using the gospel just, just to use it out of spite for me, and they're using it and abusing it, but nonetheless, at least the gospel's being preached, whether it's being preached by a dude in a monkey suit that don't have nothing to do with God, or it's being preached by a man of God who's been ordained. At least the gospel is being preached. I'm not saying nothing bad about, about Chance. I'm not saying that he is the spawn of Satan. I'm not saying that. You draw your own conclusion when you, listen, when, you, when, you, when you look at some of the content. All I'm saying is, 
when the image is blurred, you can mistake it for something that it really ain't. Fix your focus. We be so quick to be excited about hearing somebody, but hearing somebody be saved or whatever the case may be. We, we so happy to hear them say Jesus, but that don't mean that they have the fruit. If they ain't rooted, they ain't going to be fruited. Fix your focus. If you don't fix your focus, the image will be blurred. God has called us to be conformed to the image of his son. Psalms 108, verse 1, as I'm closing. Oh, God, my heart is fixed, steadfast in the confidence of faith. I will sing, yes, I will sing praises, even with my glory, all the faculties and powers of one created in your image. Thank you for tuning into our podcast today. And if you would like to know more information about our church, please visit thebuildingcf.com or download our app on all major app stores and marketplaces. Once again, thank you and have a blessed day.